How can you see into my eyes like open doors? Oh, God. I'm sorry. It's fine. You're going to cut all this out anyway. Yeah. Oh. Ow. All right, introduce us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another delightful episode of From the Margins with Connor Renfro. That's me. And Violet Knight, who is also That's me. her. That's me. That is her, as in me. <coughs> Before we begin, I want to apologize if I sound weird on this podcast or cough a lot today. It's because less than 10 minutes ago, um... I was eating a piece of chicken for dinner and I was also drinking a drink and something happened where I spasmed and it all went into my lungs and I actually had a piece of chicken lodged in my sinus and I'm still trying to recover. <laughs> it's true. I blew my nose and a piece of chicken came out. Ew. Well, I didn't eat it. What the fuck is wrong with you? Connor, I'm sorry. It was not something I planned on doing. It didn't feel good, and at least it wasn't at least it wasn't spicy. So I have a theory. <laughs> yeah. I have a theory that people who are raised in the church and become kind of like goth emo punk alt follow a similar pipeline. Uh-huh. I call it the church to goth pop, the church to goth pipeline. And of course, it's not just like only goth. Nope, it's emo. It's metal. It's a little bit of everything. Basically, <clears throat> kids that fall into Christian rock when they're younger, especially middle school and early high school, they'll eventually start moving into some generally similar lines of music later is what we're theorizing. Whether or not it stays is a different story, but at least during the high school years, they're going to go into some similar territory. Violet and I have very similar experiences with this, and that's what we want to talk about today. So, Violet, please start us off by telling us what Christian band you listened to that began your journey down this pipeline. The band that I picked for this would have to be the OG, the number one that really got me into Christian rock, um, and that's our good old boy Skillet. Oh no, that was mine too. Connor, people know that at least a little bit of this is scripted. Granted, not all of it's scripted by any means, but they know that we've talked. Well, I was going to pretend it was like completely, you know, coincidental, but... At least pretend better. What? I said, oh no, that was mine too. But you did it in a way where I was like, Connor. Oh <laughs> no, I also chose Skillet. <laughs> Stepbrother, uh, uh. what are you doing? <laughs> I am not your brother. Step bro, what are you doing in my room? Our single parents did not marry each other. <gasps> then that means there's nothing wrong with what we've been doing. <laughs> no, baby. This is completely kosher. I am uncomfortable. So are most of our listeners. So let's just pretend this didn't happen and move on and talk okay. about Skillet. Some good old Christian rock. Okay, yeah, I picked Skillet. What do we want to talk about Skillet? Well, what song to you represents what Skillet meant oh, to you? Um, let's see. I got into them really heavily during their Comatose album when it first came out because I went and saw them 
at Winter Jam in Charlotte, North Carolina. I think this was like 2008, maybe 2007. But I got really into that album and then went and saw them again during the Awake Alive tour or the Awake tour. So the songs that I really resonated with came mostly from the Comatose album. And those are Yours to Hold and... Uh, Yours to Hold and The Older I Get, those were possibly two of the most formative for me. And I can't remember, was Lucy on that album or was that on Awake? That was on the Awake album. Okay, I also loved Lucy. That, oh, it would hit me in such a good way. But that would come later. Comatose is the one that I resonated with most. Although, Alien Youth, I do want to come back and talk about that later. Well, it's interesting you bring up Alien Youth. Because I too discovered them during their Comatose era. But the reason I discovered them was because I was in a youth fine arts group and we did what we call a human video, which is basically we play a song and enact. We do like original choreography that tells a story to a song and we did the song Stronger from the Alien Youth album. So that was my first exposure to Skillet, even though Comatose was the current album that was out at the time. Gotcha. My exposure to the Alien Youth album was... Are you ready to hear the most 2006 thing you've ever heard in your life? Sure. I was on MySpace playing Vampire Wars, which was a game before Farmville was a thing and before Facebook was a thing. But 2006, I was playing Vampire Wars, and I don't want to brag, but I was a pretty high level at the time. And I would just listen to um, the Alien Youth album, and the song Thirst is Taking Over would come on, and I'd be like, hell That song is so gay. It's very gay. Wait, wait, I want to perform it real quick. Please, I would love this. Hold me down. Hold me down. Drip it on my tongue. And my convulsions stop. You alone are what my soul needs. You know the thirst is taking over. Hardly breathe. I'm in urgent need. You know the thirst is taking over. Yeah, that song um, did a lot for me back before I was even... I had even come to terms with my sexuality. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But now, so my first exposure to Skillet was Alien Youth. The most recent album at the time was Comatose. But my favorite album was in between those two. It was their Collide album, where it was like arguably their heaviest, grittiest, most metal album. Ooh. With songs like Savior and Collide. What you want, uh -huh. what you got, what you need. Gonna be your savior, everything's gonna crash and break. But I know, yeah, I know. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I know. I was always, like, very goth punk metal. I was very closet emo. Never let it out because I didn't feel the freedom to because, you know, southern rural households, growing up conservative and all that. But um, I will say, I just remember, I didn't follow them throughout my life I did evolve to other music which we will get to shortly but I just remember the last time really feeling in the spirit of their music it was after Awake Alive came out and um they were touring with Toby Mac because the song Tonight had just come out and it's Toby Mac with John Cooper the lead singer of Skillet and they were doing a combo performance in Asheville North Carolina and I just remember sitting there thinking 
God damn, this is a good show. And they're still, to this day, one of the only bands I've ever seen perform. I mean, whether or not their songs hold up to this day, they put on great shows. They really do. The instrumentals, the pyrotechnics, the vocal quality. Like, it it was worth the money, for sure. Well, my second question was, do you still like them? You kind of hinted to your answer. I want to go ahead and say that, like... As somebody who really cares about lyrics, I find that like their more recent stuff is so shallow. Even their Awaken Alive album was like yeah. not that great lyrically. I could give a rat's ass about like instrumentation if like there's no powerful lyrics to back it up. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if they really hold up. But it was nice to, like, headbang to them back in the day. Agreed. It was a very nice time. And it was one of the first times I ever really was exposed to, like, I need to give a disclaimer. I don't know dick about music, so don't drag me over the coals because I just have weird taste. But it was one of my first exposures to that kind of rock, and I just really kind of fell in love with it. Which is why we should probably talk about, since we're doing a church to goth emote pipeline, um, what was the band that got you farther away from... Uh, the quintessential church-approved musical scene into something that was more emotional, but a tiny bit more secular, but still kind of also accepted by the church. So here's the crucial second step in the pipeline. It's a secular band that the kids in your youth group also listen to, right? Exactly. It's that like, it's that gateway drug. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I really liked what I was hearing when God was the center of the message. Now, here's another band that doesn't really match that, but everybody else in your church youth group is listening to it, so it's okay. And for me, that was Evanescence. Evanescence. How about you, Violet? For me, it was Paramore, because granted, by no means are they... They're in that they're in that safe, generally accepted uh, range of what was considered appropriate for young people to listen to back where I grew up. And Yeah, exactly. They were very much popular during that time period of being through middle and early high school. Whenever Misery Business, Crush, Crush, Crush on the Riot album came out, then you had things with... Um, oh, shoot. Was it something about an eye? Is there the other album I really liked? Brand New yes, Eyes. Yes, Brand New Eyes. Uh, the only exception was one of my big favorites off of that. And it was on the radio all the time, and I loved it. And this is before Haley Williams started doing, like, being prevalent, doing solo mm. stuff, too. So, you mentioned some songs. Were any of those, like, the defining song for you of your Paramore experience? Honestly, probably, actually, um, Misery Business. Just because even though it's the more popular one, it really is catchy. It brought me into them as a music group. Uh, But, I don't know, only exception, because I, like, it's probably the single one. The The only only exception. You are. Uh, Anyway. Um, because I really like that slow, smooth kind of music, especially from bands that don't do that typically. Um, fun fact, um, Paramore is also from the Southeast. Oh, really? Where are they from? They are from, um, well, at least... Wait, can I guess? Yeah. Tennessee. Is that your final guess? Yes. You're correct. Haley Williams, uh, Franklin, Tennessee. Franklin, okay. Which I think is east of Nashville. I have no idea. I don't know why I thought Tennessee. Well, I guess like Nashville is Tennessee and that's where like a lot of music comes out of. Well, yeah. 
God knows the Lord on high, Taylor Swift came from there. I thought she was from Georgia. I thought she was from Tennessee. She might be from Tennessee. I had this, like, really fake bitch in my high school who claimed she came from the same cul-de-sac as Taylor Swift. Okay, first of all, Franklin is southwest, south by southwest uh, of Nashville. My bad. I was thinking of Lebanon. Uh, (laughs) Lebanon is in the Middle East, you dumb hoe. Lebanon's also a city in Tennessee, you dumb bitch. Also, Taylor Swift is from Reading, Pennsylvania. Wow, Taylor Swift is just, she's playing this all for fools. (laughs) I hate myself. There will be some teardrops on my guitar tonight. She has a brother named Austin Swift. Did you ever listen to the song she did with T-Pain about uh, baking cookies? Yeah, it's like, I didn't even curse. She didn't even say that. Sorry. What are some of your favorite songs um, by Evanescence? Like, I know the obvious one, Bring Me to Life, was huge. I remember I remember the first time I ever heard that song. I actually started crying when I was in the car because I was an emotional little bitch. <laughs> right. Like, you can't really hear Evanescence without thinking of Bring Me to Life. But I feel like the song that defines them for me is, well, when I think about when I discovered them back in middle school, it was really... You're going to have to edit out a lot of me thinking. Sorry. It's okay. I'm also going to have to edit out me saying the phrase emotional bitch because I don't want to shame anybody for having emotions. <laughs> but you're going to have to keep the line where you say that. But then they're going to know I said that and I'm only even saying the phrase emotional bitch because I was raised that way and I don't agree with it, but it's encoded inside of me and I want to get rid of it. Um, Honestly, when I first discovered Evanescence, I was late to the game and their Open Door album had already come out and I was really into mm-hmm. oh my gosh um, the only one because it like starts off with like this like duck comes like wah, wah, wah. it's like you know I'm not the only one can we take a second to appreciate Amy oh Lee's my. range Amy Lee. She is widely regarded as one of the best vocalists operating right now. God knows I will. But she limits herself because she's like really only interested in this genre of music. Are you saying she's hindering her performance? Is that a joke about the game about the band Hinder? Yes. Because okay. because the guy that she was dating is from Seether. We're gonna cut this. <laughs> we're, we're gonna cut this part. Because I'm broken, and I'm lonesome, and I don't feel right when you've gone away. The open door is all about her leaving him because he got drunk and abused her. Which, first of all, good on you, girl. Leave that bitch. Leave him. Too good for him. She wrote a song. You are beautiful. She wrote a song called The Last Song I'm Wasting on You about like finally ending that relationship. And I listen to it and I cry because I think of like all of the abusive situations I've escaped in my past. Gotcha. I'm sorry, Connor, but I'm glad that song means so much to you. Uh, I'm tragic. We're all tragic. So let's now talk about that sweet spot between Christian and alternative secular. That's right. The G-spot. Finally talking the about it. The God spot. Where is it? Do they know things? Who knows where it is? Do they know? Let's find so it. So how did you navigate listening to this like middle transition band into secularism? Uh, in terms of the Christian to goth emo pipeline, Skillet was one of the bands and so was Paramore that kind of did navigate that transition. There were some going on in the background that were helping me nudge that way too. Uh, because one of the first music music band, one of the first ever artists I actually really fell in love with, heart and soul, was Green Day as a kid. So, 
Green Day was a big help in that influence too, to where I just, I fell in love with this sort of alternative style of like just this very, what I can only describe as 13 year old rebellion style, where it's like, I'm angry, I have emotions, and I'm just going to point them in every direction because I don't have anything specific to rebel against. Which granted, I did have a lot of things to rebel against, I just didn't know how to do it back in the day. But I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> The question is that sweet spot between Christian and secular. Oh, um, I just realized that I loved the emotion of music more than I did anything else. And that, especially with Skillet, who are very good lyricists, or at least they used to be, the lyrics to a song don't have to be the most important key, but they still do have to have that powerful impact of the song itself. And so from Evan, from Paramore and Skillet, I learned that one of my big things is I love, I just love deriving the emotional response from a song and finding out what the story behind it is so i looked for more of that in my further albums oh okay how about you connor what did you think how did you navigate this time uh, so if anybody knows the background of evanescence amy lee met ben moody at like some kind of youth group back in arkansas and ben moody is a like a big christian and they actually started Evanescence as like a like Christian adjacent band. Amy Lee herself was never interested in it. And she's even said so in interviews afterwards. Like when The Open Door came out, people would ask her about like the Christian roots of Evanescence. And she'd be like, that was Ben's thing. That's not me. Damn, she's setting those limits for herself. I hear you, girl. Stick up for yourself. But like as a Christian listening to Evanescence, I was always like, they met at youth group. It's a Christian band. I can listen to them and I'm okay. There really was a very strange time in our lives where, like, being part of a youth group in church was just, like, the biggest fucking deal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Like, you had to be a Christian. Everything had to be Christian and everything had to be, like, defended. It's true. I like what you said about emotionality and instrumentality because I remember being, like, this tortured eighth grader. I guess I was, like, struggling with depression and didn't realize it but like i loved darkness and dark songs and you know amy lee singing about wanting to die and it's like huh i feel this for some reason i've never been abused well to my knowledge i've never been abused and i've never had a breakup and i've never like hated anybody and yet i just want to listen to these songs all the time i 100 percent understand that feeling God knows, you would think I had lived through fucking some shit by the time I was doing skillet listening. Like, right? All of their music just sound like it, it felt like it hit you in such a way that you were working through trauma. But it's like, what trauma did I experience where this was happening? Is this just what being a twelve-year-old was? Like, I had so many emotions inside of me before I ever experienced heartbreak. I was listening to these breakup songs and crying just out of pure empathy for the singer. Right? Oh my god. I cannot imagine. Ugh. I mean, in some regard, if I do want to peel back the layers of the onion, I know some of it was empathy for the singer, but also a lot of it was just sort of, I never got to work out a lot of emotional stuff I had repressed, namely identity questions. But at the same time, that was just such a torturous time of development in ways that I was going to continue that thought, but I'm starting to think that might be better for a different episode, not about music, because I, I was going to talk about the division between going through puberty in terms of your birth gender and not your preferred gender and that was a whole different so story. instead of doing that let's go to the next stage of the pipeline where you've gone full goth full emo full punk full secular 
and you're now listening to bands that your pastor would be aghast to hear about. So what do you want to know about those, Connor? Do you want to know who they are? Do you want to know what my tastes are now? Or just like generally, or like what was the first band that was truly completely divorced from the idea of church that like was more goth and emo? Honestly, Violet, I don't give a shit. I don't care about you. God, okay. Jesus, podcast. I don't care about your taste at all. Oh my god. (laughs) No, choose one band that really symbolized you reaching the end of your pipeline. Yes, sir. Uh, I guess do it for daddy. Did you say do it for daddy? (laughs) Yes. Okay, I'm glad because I couldn't tell if you said daddy or Maddie. My second question was going to be who's Maddie? (laughs) Do it for Maddie. She's listening. Do it for our only subscriber and patron, Maddie. Hi, Maddie. Maddie Engelhoff over in Pennsylvania. This is a shout out. Yes. Is there actually a Maggie Engelhoff in Pennsylvania? Huh? Is there actually a Maggie Engelhoff in Pennsylvania? Uh, not that I know of. I was going to say, because this would have been a really cute thing to be like, oh my god, hey, and like call them out as though they were a supporter if they actually like aren't, and then they would be inspired to support. But it's like, you gave them such an esoteric-ass last name. Now nobody's going to be able to relate to this. If it's just Maggie, that's one thing, because there's tons of Maggies in Pennsylvania. Do it but... for Maggie in Brooklyn. Sorry, Maddie in Pennsylvania. Maggie Do in Brooklyn. Do it for Maggie. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Maggie. We love you. Listen to Violet's pick for the end of her pipeline, where she went full secular. Okay. Um, I think my favorite completely secular music group was ca- probably called the butt fucking mamas podcast over <laughs> I'm getting cut i can't say that oh my god um so the end of my spectrum would probably be they're not the full end of the spectrum but they're the one i listen to most prolifically and that would be three days grace oh. uh because despite the name three days grace was not really ever carried themselves to be christian related in my knowledge um they had a very darker tone with songs like Animal Eyes Become and um, uh, Riot, which had aggressive tones to them that I kind of resonated with. Yeah, so they're probably a good indication of where I ended up on that spectrum, where it was like emo, but angry emo, I guess. Hmm. Yep. And what song represents them to you? I know you just mentioned a few. Well, probably either Animal Eyes Become or Never Too Late. It's never Too Late. Uh, never, that song. Oh my god, I loved it so much. In fact, when I was trying to learn to play guitar way back when, that was like the only song i actually knew how to play animal i've become was very much similar to what you were saying about uh evanescence where even though it was a song that has a more aggressive sound to it because of the way the guitar hit it was about this idea of just turning into a monster and i just felt that way with my depression that i was going through at the time which i was actually depressed but undiagnosed and that would come back later uh but the through the depression i felt like i was turning into a different person because it was being untreated and being ignored and just exacerbating and it was making other facets of my life worse and worse until i became somebody i didn't recognize or someone i didn't particularly love like or care about so i resonated with that song and even though it had its angry tones made me feel angry toward myself and wow but i still liked it it was powerful it was moving and even though I took the wrong messages from it, the fact that it moved me in such a way at all and emotionally speaks to the power of the song as an idea. Right. And did you feel bad for listening to them at the time? Yes and no. Because this is during the time in my life where I was starting to, like, church was a thing that I was... I had some problems with a lot of the church. Um, not, like, a lot of the people in it, but just some of the operating systems of the church. But And I didn't know how to express that. So in this tiny minor rebellion, it was a way of, like, hey, this is my way of sort of telegraphing my divorce from what I've been told all my life. Mm. How about you, Connor? What was your endgame transition song band be? Well, I went full goth. 
when I really loved Evanescence. I was in eighth grade and I was researching bands that are similar to Evanescence. And I heard about this one Finnish band, Nightwish, that had just recently released a new album, Dark Passion Play. And I was at Target with my mom one day and I saw that same CD on display and I had her buy it for me and we took it home and I listened to it and I loved it so much that I remember going to school every day after that and just like looking at the clock and waiting for like the final bell to ring so I could go home and just listen to that album again it was so good oh my god I like to imagine this is the same shopping trip where you got Sonic Battle (laughs) no I got Sonic Adventure 2 Battle from the GameStop in the mall this was from a Target Gotcha. Sorry to disappoint Disregard. Everyone. It's okay. We're all mild. This was like four years after Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Not in this headcanon. <laughs> I was... No, I wasn't even playing Sonic anymore by 8th grade. Um, I was probably playing Shadow the Hedgehog, if anything. I have to look at the release dates for that game. No, I think gotcha. that game came out in 2006. I think by middle school, I had like pretty much stopped gaming, Ooh, actually. Gotcha. Or I'd moved on. Because I know we got the Xbox 360 and like, never mind. None of this matters. Okay, so Nightwish. I loved that album so much, Dark Passion Play. And... From there, I like worked my way backward through their discography. If I have any other Nightwish fans out there, they know that, um, what do they know? Oh yeah, Dark Passion Play was the first album featuring Annette Olsen, and before that was Tarja Turunen. So I had to like go back and like discover her songs. And it was just like an entire journey for me. And Nightwish was my entire identity throughout high school. Gotcha. I do still like them. I love them. They have a new album coming out in April that I'm excited for. Did I feel bad for listening to them at the time? Kind of. Because it was like, they were very not Christian. They're kind of anti-religious even. Their lyricist has baggage with the Christian faith. And um, I remember I was on a walk with my dad and he asked me if Nightwish is Christian. And I'd be like, no, but that's okay. And he was like, eh. And I'm like, okay, fine. Gotcha. They were also the first band I listened to that had the F word in one of their lyrics. (gasps) (laughs) Yeah. No, I was such a good boy. I didn't hear the F word in a song that I liked until 2008. Damn, so, that's serious. Right, like, I know Green Day had F-bombs in their songs, but I didn't like Green Day, and so... That's fair. I was a good boy. Fair. I love Nightwish. Um, the song that emblemized their, like, significance to me would probably be that very first track off the album, The Poet and the Pendulum. It's 13 minutes long. It oh, yeah. changed my life. Did you ever play for that that song for us during the road trip? Uh, maybe. I think you did, because I know I've heard that song, because I remember that name. I mean, I talked about Nightwish a lot. On the road trip, if I did play a Nightwish song that was really long, it was probably, um ghost love score off their once album because that's like what fans recognize as like the best nightwish song ever gotcha. and that's 10 minutes so connor you and i met in college um and i remember you were really very much like you were open about your love of nightwish i'd never heard of them is nightwish the band that has the scrooge mcduck show? um practically yes tuomas holopainen i don't know the what that means. lyricist that's his name his name is tuomas 
which is like the Finnish version of uh-huh. Thomas. He is the keyboardist and lyricist for Nightwish, and he made an entire concept album on his own about Scrooge McDuck. Oh. That's separate from Nightwish, but he is also like the vehicle of Nightwish himself. Gotcha. So that was his solo project. I remember, I actually remember you were like reading off like funny headlines on the couch one day. You were like, a Finnish prog rock band is making a, a concept album about Scrooge McDuck. And I was like, yeah, I know. I have it pre-ordered. And I did not believe you. And damn if it didn't come a couple weeks later. Yeah. And I have the t-shirt. I love that t-shirt. <laughs> it was like, I have the two disc special edition. Oh. <gasps> I forgot about that album. I have to listen to it again. That is a really good t-shirt. It like hugs my frame It does suit you very well. I actually just reminded myself of something. Connor, we met in college, but... Shut the fuck up. Um, we met in college, but we actually both went to the same Skillet concert when we were younger, too, didn't we? Winter Jam. Which is a big conglomeration of Christian bands in the southeast that would get together a few times every, like... In a di- couple different cities. Right. I mean, it was a traveling thing, and I'm sure we both went to the Columbia one in the uh, the Family Life Arena. I think it's Family Life Arena. Cool. Yeah. I don't know much about Columbia, if I'm being honest. Oh, wow. The capital city of the state whence you came. Don't you fucking start with me. My poor ass got to... I went to Columbia. I can count on one hand the number of times I've been in my life. I love Columbia. That's where I'm from. I like it, to be honest. I really like it. I just never got an opportunity to go. I think it's, like, popular to hate Columbia because it's the capital city. But, like, there's a huge arts movement there. There's, like, an underground hipster scene. Like, you can't be a tourist in Columbia. There's nothing to do if you're a tourist. But if you live there, you find a community. Greenville's kind of the same way. I'm not from Greenville, but I know virtually every friend I've ever had in South Carolina is from either Greenville or Charleston. I hate Charleston. I like Charleston. It smells bad there. Ooh. And it's expensive. It is expensive, but it's expensive in South Carolina dollars. It's not expensive in the United States. I was walking around Charleston once and I found like a marble bust of the grandfather of one of our classmates at Winthrop. Connor, I've seen that exact same bust and I know which one you're talking about and what classmate because he's... We won't get into it here. I know which one you're talking about. The last... Because that's what old money South Carolina does. Um, It's so real. Like the South really does have like an old money hierarchy, aristocracy. All right, Connor, I know this is an episode about music, but I do have a question for you just for like, just for some good debate and some good conversation. Yeah. Um, what, is your, what is your favorite South Carolina city? What is your least favorite? My favorite city in South Carolina is Columbia because it's where I'm from. It's where all of my like, all of my non-Violet and Zach friends live. Yay. And my least favorite city that I've visited is probably Newberry because I only went there like twice and it was both times I went, it was like rainy and miserable i'm like not a fan of newberry i guess to answer for me i really like columbia a lot i've never been and had a bad time and the few times i have went have just been great and it's it's a city i want to explore more i also love charleston they've got good beaches but i'd have to say my favorite city overall it honestly might be rock hill oh where we went to college because i fell in love with that city and it's so cute and it's like the right size it's got enough to do just to stay in town it is cute um it's an it's got enough to do to just stay in sometimes but like it's also accessible to charlotte if you ever need anything more oh yeah because it's like 20 minutes from charlotte well i was thinking like a city i could like stay in if i didn't want to do something else 
like Rock Hill was fine as long as I had Winthrop to keep me occupied. But if I didn't have, if I wasn't in school, like, would I want to stay in Rock Hill? I would probably, if I, in that circumstance, I'd probably live closer to Charlotte and commute to Rock Hill. Well, I hate Charlotte. I have mixed feelings about it, but it's okay. I I grew up liking it. Um, I have a complicated relationship with Charlotte, but... My least favorite is actually a two-way tie, which is really rough to say. Huh. Ooh, actually, no. The more I think about it, there's an uh, there's a clear victor. Yeah. I'm sorry, Myrtle Beach, but you are. Oh bad. man, I don't like. I you. hate Myrtle Beach. Dirty Myrtle. Well, I like vacationing Dirty there, specifically Broadway Dirty at the Myrtle. beach. Dirty oh. Myrtle is right. I once went to Myrtle I... Beach to like visit a friend for her birthday, um, and I met her at Winthrop, and she was cool. But like all of her local friends were there, and they were like redneck Trump supporters. They were so dumb, Violet. They were so dumb they could not even play cards against humanity. I was literally sitting there explaining what the cards meant to them. Oh my god, no! And not like a oh they just haven't heard of this term way, but like a they just don't understand what some of the basic words are, right? Exactly. Like I never even thought about it, but you actually have to kind of be intelligent to play cards against humanity. You have to be like knowledgeable of the world. <laughs> I never thought I, I never thought I'd hear that sentence. No, I mean like we're gotcha. all sitting here thinking like oh yeah I'll you need is like a dirty sense of humor and you have to like chuckle at bad words but then it's like you're playing with these kids and they don't even know anything they don't know any of the politicians who are referenced they don't know any of the historical events that are referenced they don't know any of the medical conditions like literally they were just sitting there waiting for the mecca hitler oh for god's sake like they were so stupid no offense to people who just don't have access to education but these kids were not well off i just i've never had a good experience at myrtle beach that i could call an objectively good experience it's always been crowded it's always been tourist heavy it's always been dirty it's always been, I have already said, expensive. In fact, one of my worst vacations of my life happened at Myrtle Beach because I got to the place we had rented uh, through a family friend, which, don't get excited, it was not, like, a big, great place. It was just a tiny little place that we rented out for, like, a week. I do not come from money. I got there, and I got, like, the worst strep throat I've ever had in my life, and I spent that entire vacation, I went outside once, and then spent the rest, like, laying in bed for five days, sweating and sleeping. I had to go to the hospital, like, during that trip because I was running such a high fever. (laughs) Fucking Myrtle Beach, man. Fucking Myrtle Beach. I don't miss it. Every other South Carolina city gets to sit home and like be paranoid whether they were the one that was supposedly tied for number two (laughs) i'm not telling who number two was i'm not starting that firestorm if we ever get big ask me again but for now i'm not telling let's close this episode out by talking about where our music tastes are now that we're no longer just reactionary sounds good would you like to go first connor you want me to go first okay i mean i still love nightwish i still love evanescence um, I listen to a lot more indie music like Mitski. Zach got me hooked on Orville Peck. He's amazing. I love his voice. I like Lana. I'm not ashamed to admit that. I also just really got into Alanis Morissette. I am kind of ashamed to admit that. Um, I do listen to a little bit of metal. Um, the people that I liked when I was in high school, I try to go back to them and see like what they're doing lately. Usually it's not good, but I do go back and listen to the albums they released when I was in high school and college. And I'm like, I don't know if it's because they were actually good or because nostalgia is floating me, but like I can still listen to those. Basically, my Spotify playlist is more like single songs than it is artists now. Gotcha. I understand. 
But Mitski, Evanescence, Nightwish, those are my big three. Well, I have a few different options that I would consider to be a good spattering of my contemporary music taste, but the big ones that come to mind are Porter Robinson, Madeon, Churches, uh, ironically enough, Kim Petras, uh, Charlie XCX, and Halsey. And I know Halsey's been a very problematic figure, and I'm not downplaying some of the stuff she's done, but like, I divorcing the artist from the art, like, I really do enjoy her music. Um... And I do have to say, I have a fun story about Halsey that I'll tell very fast. And that is, I went to a concert that she had at Red Rocks here in Colorado in Morrison. And I saw her at Red Rocks performing. And it was the night of the Blood Moon in 2018, I think. I think it was 2018 when the Blood Moon was. Yeah, it was. So I saw her the night of the Blood Moon. And I did not know it was the night the Blood Moon is rising. And I'm sitting there high at Red Rocks listening to Halsey. And I just see this red spot on the horizon. And it gets bigger and bigger. And it goes into the middle of the sky. And I'm like, oh, the moon is red. Of course I would be at a Halsey concert when the rapture happened. <laughs> Of course you would. I was like, I'm going to get to heaven, and God's going to be like, yo, you were at a Halsey concert? And I'd be like, I know, man. You picked it, not me. Hey, Violet. Yep. Hey, Connor. Guess what? what? Guess what? Nightwish released a new single today. That's actually weird timing, but I appreciate it. Good job, Nightwish. How did I not know? Their marketing team is so bad. How did I not know, I know that they were releasing a single today? I would have gone like so long without realizing, and except I looked them up on Spotify just now to like finish out this episode. And I saw that gotcha. they released a single today. Connor. But I guess also today started like an hour ago. Yeah, we're recording. It's it's past midnight for Connor. And it's like 11. <laughs> it's almost 11. We're in for two me. different days. True. Also, Nightwish is in Finland. So like their time, it probably wouldn't be available on Spotify until midnight That's Eastern fair. Standard Time. Well, Connor, I think this has been a pretty okay episode. It's not our greatest by any means, but hey, it gives some good perspective. And I love telling South Carolina stories. I love it when people get to know us better. Hey, the quality of the episode is entirely dependent on your editing skills. Wow. Put it all on my shoulders while why don't you, you asshole? Do you want to send me your half of the audio and I'll do the editing for this one? Are you serious? I'll do it. Are you okay with that? Sure. I mean, I'll get the last one if you get this one. Okay. Hell, son. That's half the reason I haven't been doing nightly news on a regular basis, if we're being honest. Okay, well, you send me your half as a 32-bit float and I'll do the editing. Okay, sounds good. Now people get to know the real shit happening behind the scenes. Now, we even talking about format. This will be like the most bare bones episode. You'll have to show me how to like do intro and outro music. Okay, will do. All right, anyway, in the meantime, oh, damn it. What? I just remembered an edit that I was going to put in this video that was going to be so good. Oh. We can talk about that after this episode's officially over. Okay, everybody. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs>